Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise the Lord. God's going to bless you really good today. Watch and see. Praise God. Now, I would like for us to go over to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. And this morning, let's first honor God with our finances and bring the tithe and the offering into the storehouse of the Lord. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woo, praise the Lord. Here in this verse, we see that Jesus just right out in the open endorses tithing. It's amazing. Now, Jesus does say that the focus should be on what he called the weightier matters of the law, such as faith, justice, and mercy, but that also we should tithe. Now, here's something interesting. If you, if you look at this carefully, if you focus on faith, justice, mercy, I can guarantee you, you're going to end up becoming a tither. Now watch this. When you focus on faith, you will gravitate eventually towards tithing, even if you don't know about it. Maybe you're a new believer. But as you focus on faith, you're going to end up becoming a tither because tithing itself is an act of faith. Let's never forget that Abraham, who in many ways is like a spiritual father to us, Abraham was a tither um, hundreds of years before it, tithing was ever instituted as a law that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel. So whenever we think of Abraham, we think of the man of God, the man of faith. And Abraham was a tither. So the more you focus on faith, the more you're going to gravitate towards tithing, which is an act of faith itself. Now, the Lord mentions faith, and then he mentions justice. And here's what will happen. Anytime you focus on justice which is wanting to see right uh, held up and truth held up and wrong being shown for what it is. Anytime you focus on justice, you're going to end up becoming a tither. Why? Because nobody that is sincere about truth and about justice prevailing, nobody that does that is going to want to take something that does not belong to them. That's called stealing in God's word. So if you focus on justice, you're going to want to end up obeying the commandments of God, and you're not going to want to take what God said belongs to him. And he said, the tithe belongs to him. Wow. So we have faith, we have justice, and we have mercy. And when you focus on mercy, the more you focus on mercy, you will begin to understand that the Hebrew word for mercy is hesed. And as you dig into it, it's shocking. Why? Because from a Westerner mindset, when we think of mercy, we think of mercy just being dispensed to anybody that we want to show it to. But mercy in the Old Testament was always linked 
and it was never connected. Uh, how can I say? It was never unconnected from it. But mercy in the Old Testament was always, every single time, connected to covenant. And we think about mercy. Well, in God's eyes, there was no mercy unless it was covenant-based. Praise God. Well, the moment you start getting into anything covenant, then you're again looking at eventually the discovery of tithing. Why? Tithing is an act. It's the systematic act of giving God 10% of all of your income. And what tithing does, it brings you into a financial covenant with God. Why would you ever want a covenant with somebody? Why in history past would certain small nation states covenant and come together? Because they each have something that makes the other stronger. You may have a, uh, a nation that's very good at warfare, but you may be a nation that excels in agriculture, but you don't have an army. So you can agree together. Hey, let's come together. If I ever get attacked, you come and defend me. And if you ever get attacked, I'll come over there and I'll do my part. Plus we'll also bring the food because we bring the food. <laughs> so, uh, the thing with God is that when you become a tither and you also honor God with offerings, you come into a financial covenant with God and the covenant is superior to any circumstance that would be running throughout the earth, a negative circumstance such as famine, such as a devaluation of currency, such as wars and what that does to, uh, you know, economies around the world. When you have a covenant with God, you are secure. Praise God. Amen. So if you focus on mercy, which is covenant based, you're going to end up making discoveries about tithing. Okay. Again, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe. And he commends them on that. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So yes, let's focus on justice and mercy and faith. And that again will just unveil more and more how biblical and truthful it is to be a tither. Praise God. But let me show you one more scripture that will also be a blessing to you in this area. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Praise the Lord. Right here in the New Testament, and Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is just as New Testament as you can get. Here we see that again, tithing is endorsed by God. Now it says here, mortal men receive tithes. I want you to notice that the word receive is in the present tense. Paul, who I believe is the man that God used to, uh, uh, anoint to write the book of Hebrews. By the way, the book of Hebrews does not tell you who the author is, but really nobody else had the technical knowledge and the familiarity with the nuances of the Old Testament to write this book. Paul was the only one qualified. Praise the Lord. Amen. So here we see that the tithe is being received present tense. Paul very easily, if he wanted to, could have said, now we know that under the Old Testament system, 
of the, the giving of offerings and bringing that, uh, you know, into the temple and the way that used to be. And that's all done away with. He didn't say that. Why? There were ministers as the church was being raised up. There were ministers that were receiving the tithes. They still were receiving the tithes. So it is a present tense thing. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Now, I understand how some believers think. They think, Pastor Stephen, um, if I could uh, tithe in a sense where I could put my 10% of my income directly into the hands of Jesus, well, I'd feel a lot better about that. But since that's not possible because he's in heaven and I'm on the earth, I guess I can't really give Jesus my tithe. Ah, they're making a mistake in their theology and also they're trying to dodge their covenant responsibility. This is very interesting. Have you ever really meditated on the truth that Jesus is the head of the church and that the church is the body of Christ? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The body of Christ, of course, is you and I. And we are where? We are here on the earth. But let's say, let's say that you want to give me a hundred dollar bill, okay? And you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to travel to where you're at because I want you to receive it personally. And I'm going to give you a hundred dollars and I want your head to receive it. Okay, now think about this just for a moment. I want your head to receive it. Well, let me ask you a question. How in the world could my head ever receive anything without it first coming through my hands? Well, Pastor Stephen, I'd be a tither if I could really give it to Jesus, but he's in heaven, so he's obviously not receiving it anymore. You better believe he's still receiving it. How? Through his body. We are his hands. We are his feet. And when you put the tithe and into the hands of the fivefold ministry gift, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that God has assigned to your life to be the storehouse that dispenses the spiritual nourishment that you need uh, on your journey towards heaven. As you bring it to the hands of the man of, or woman of God and put it in, in a sense, whether it's through electronic means or through a check or whatever, and it's received into the storehouse. It goes to the body and the head receives it. Look, if again, if you wanted to give me a hundred dollars, it has to come through my hands. If I want, if I want to receive a pizza, I, and my, I want to give it to my head. How am I going to do that? Uh, through my hands. That's why God gave us fingers and gave us the ingenuity to develop knives and forks and spoons. Uh, so we can, we can pick it up and we can put it in there. Amen. So here's what I'm saying is that mortal men here on the earth receive tithes. But there in heaven, he, that would be Jesus, receives them. How does he receive them? Through the body. He's the head. The head receives it through the body. Praise God. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now, when you read through Hebrews chapter 7, it talks a lot about the priesthood of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a very interesting person because he was a king and a priest. And in the Old Testament, 
in uh, the order of the nation of Israel, you did not see those two offices combined. But here it is referring to the truth that Melchizedek, a mysterious figure, uh, on purpose presented in scriptures as a mysterious figure with no beginning, no reference to its parents, no reference to his death. So he is a shadow or type of Jesus. And so Jesus is now king and high priest over our faith. Those offices have been combined into him. And also because we're in him, you can also operate as a priest in the sense where your body has now become the temple of the living God and you can worship God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can walk in the kingly anointing, ruling and reigning in your sphere of life without the devil having any dominion over you at all. Praise God. So while we see that much of this chapter is about Melchizedek, it's about Melchizedek because he represents Jesus. So verse 8 is talking about Jesus. It's kind of like reading through chapter 1 of Hebrews, and it talks about the angels. Uh, the focus, though, is not on the angels. The focus is that Jesus is greater than the angels. Same thing in chapter 7. The focus is not on Melchizedek. The focus is that Melchizedek was simply a shadow, a type of the substance who is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And just as Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek, who is a type of Christ, Jesus is still receiving tithes today. There it is in the scripture. It is present tense. Please don't let any uninformed Christian ever tell you that tithing is not in the New Testament. I've just given you two scriptures today that verify that Jesus endorses tithing. Praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus is still receiving the tithe today. He's receiving it through the body. Praise God. Hallelujah. He is the head. We are the body. Praise the Lord. Now, having said that, let us now obey the scriptures. Let's honor the word of God. You know, there are many scriptures in the Bible that have that simple little word, if. In other words, if you do this, this will happen to you. So there are rewards always associated with obedience. So let's obey the Lord. Let's walk also in the strong financial covenant with God. And let's allow God to bless us the way that he so strongly desires to do. And let's do our part. Our responsibility is to obey the word. And at this time, let's now bring the tithes and an offering into the storehouse of the Lord. If you prefer to mail in your tithes and offering, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. If you want to bring them in on the Internet, you can do so from anywhere in the world. Go to our website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a header at the top that says, Give Online. And you can click that. It'll take you to the giving page where a little menu will drop down. You click that, and there's the area for the tithe. There's the area for an offering. Woo! Praise God. And as you send it, it is received. It is received into the storehouse, and Jesus, in a sense, touches and holds and receives your tithe. You better believe that Jesus is still receiving the tithe today. Oh, praise God. Where in the world would the church be without the tithers? We'd be preaching and teaching underneath a tree somewhere.
We'd be standing out in the rain holding meetings. It is those that tithe and give offerings that build churches, that expand uh, into other works of the Lord, that bring glory and honor to Jesus, that, that build television studios for Christian material, that uh, build uh, Christian hospitals, and on and on it goes. These works are done by tithers and givers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let me pray over your giving. Father, bless. Bless your people with deep knowledge of your word, and let them have that heart to be quick to obey. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your blessings flowing in the lives of your people in very profound and profuse ways. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And together around the world, let's say, Amen. Woo! Praise God forever. Now, let's take our Bibles and go over to the book of Isaiah today. Isaiah chapter 28, I want to talk about God from the perspective of many people who have heard the phrase, the Lord of the breakthrough. Uh, technically, if we're going to translate it from the Hebrew, it's actually the Lord of breakthroughs. It's always plural, okay? But also, I'm going to title this message, The Master of breakthroughs, because that is a also a translation that I think will help you to wrap your mind around the understanding of who God is, and in, in the area of He being able to break through for you. Now, there are many wonderful songs that have been written to the theme of the Lord of the Breakthrough, and there have been many good sermons, but I have a concern my friends, that we could even sing these songs or we could hear messages, but never actually have real encounters with the Lord of the breakthrough like David did. David had such an encounter with the Lord in this area that he named a large hill after this uh, tremendous uh, witnessing of God's power on display against the Philistines. And so I want you to listen carefully to this message today. Because I want you to have your own testimony where you can say within your heart and even testify to others that you have encountered the master of the breakthroughs. Woo, praise God. Because if God ever, has ever done it once, he can certainly do it again. I want you to have your own testimonies. And I believe, I believe with the working knowledge that you're going to gain here, you will. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would take a spotlight in a sense and shine it upon these scriptures that we're going to look at today so that they will be made alive and living. Let your Holy Spirit quicken them so that we can draw faith nourishment from them and also experience authentic breakthroughs, authentic breakthrough miracles in our lives. Now, Father, thank you. I thank you that your people are going to have real testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, now, let's go again to Isaiah chapter 28 and journey with me down to verse 21. Verse 21. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. Now, this phrase 
the Lord will rise up is very, very important. Now, when you do read the stories of the great breakthrough that took place for David, when you read the story also of what happened with Joshua, where the sun and moon like froze in position so that Joshua could have more time to wipe out his enemies. When you read these types of things, it doesn't necessarily say in those stories that God rose up, but trust me, that's what was taking place. It tells us here that that's what God was doing. So with breakthrough, what you actually have is God rising up in your life and doing something about the enemy, doing something about the problem where he comes in in such a degree that that situation is overwhelmed and driven out of your life. And very often, very often, the victory can be so substantial that it's over with for the rest of your life. Now, we do see biblical stories where, for example, with David, he would have to do another battle again with the Philistines. But there can be victories, in a sense, where uh, that battle in your generation, it ends. Now, concerning your children or grandchildren, they may have to face those same challenges. But as for you, the victory was such a total blowout. It was so overwhelming that the enemy can't get back up ever again. And as long as you walk in wisdom and good understanding, you can keep that enemy defeated for the rest of your life. Praise God. For the Lord will rise up, and he's going to rise up for you. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. We'll take a look at that classic story in just a moment. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon. Now that would have been the situation, of course, with Joshua winning a tremendous battle. Now watch this because it's going to get very, very interesting with what I'm about to read to you next. He will be very, excuse me, he will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Now, I want to open this up by sharing this from a few different scriptures that will bring light on this subject to you. And, I, of course, I'm, I teach from the New King James Version, but I want to share a few other translations that will help you understand the strangeness of some of these miracles that God wants to do for you, where when others hear about it, there will be those that say that doesn't even make any sense, but it doesn't have to make sense. All it has to do is take place. Amen. Glory to God. New Living Translation, of course, which is a paraphrased translation. I would never, in a sense, teach from a paraphrased translation because you want to minister the literal word to people because the interpretations can be different. And if you use paraphrase only, you lock yourself into a singular interpretation. But I am going to read from a few of them because it does bring out a little bit more of the fullness of what's going on here. It says, the Lord will come as he did against the Philistines at Mount Perizim and against the Amorites at Gibeon. He will come to do a strange thing. He will come to do an unusual deed. My friends, that is actually a, a good translation about these strange and unusual works and deeds that God can do. And I want you, I want you to see yourself 
uh, where you're not stuck that with God, all things are possible. God can get you out. God can get you through. God can get you over with God. You're never trapped in praise the Lord. English standard version for the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim. As in the valley of Gibeon, he will be roused to do his deed. Strange is his deed and to work his work. Alien is his work. So strange or like foreign is what God is going to do. Now, some of the Jewish rabbis that would comment on this verse, of course, we always want to study a verse in its context. They're, they're basically saying that because Israel was caught up in strange sins, even foreign sins of worshiping these uh, strange gods, then God's going to do some strange forms of judgment against them. And there is a degree to that that is applicable. But I think that if we look at verse 22, we'll see the fuller picture. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. So the difficulties that Israel is going to have to face because of their disobedience is something that's not solely just for them, but there's also coming uh, what is said here as a destruction even upon the whole earth. And that time will eventually come, but it's not here yet. So God is going to be really doing some things against your enemies that to them will not make sense. That will be very strange and very, very unusual. Praise the Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. The contemporary English version. Please listen very carefully. The Lord will, will fiercely attack as he did at Mount Perizim. That's where David fought the Philistines and in Gibeon Valley. That's where Joshua fought the Amorites. But this time the Lord will do something surprising, not what you expect. Woo. That's rich. The Lord is going to do something surprising, not what you expect. Maybe you could use your sanctified imagination and you could visualize a way that perhaps God could bring you out And he may choose to do it that way, but God also can just come in from an angle you're not even familiar with. And that's what happened with David. When David saw God's power come on the scene, he had never seen anything like that before. And remember, this is the guy that killed Goliath. And he's just like, I've never seen anything like this before. He had to rename a a hill because of what he had seen that was brand new to him. Again, We are talking about this today because the Holy Spirit is impressing this biblical story today. These things were written for our account because God wants to reveal himself to you as the master of the breakthroughs. Say amen. Say I'm ready. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles now and go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And let us drop down now to verse 17. Verse 17. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all of the Philistines went up to search for David. The anointing, you have to understand the anointing makes everything different. It makes you 
an abnormal person in a good way. The, the anointing is a threat to the devil. We, we prize intellectualism, and we should develop our minds. But the devil is not in the least bit intimidated or moved by IQ, no matter how high it is. But he is greatly concerned about any man or woman, boy or girl, that becomes anointed. Why? Because suddenly you're a threat against his kingdom. You have to be anointed to win souls. You have to be anointed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You have to be anointed to share and minister God's good news to people. Praise God. And that's what um, causes the enemy to bring an attack. Praise God. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Now, this is all very interesting. Let's never forget that there were two times that David was in a situation where he had to get away from Saul. And that meant even distance-wise, proximity, get away from Saul, because Saul and the army of Israel is trying to kill David. So where did David, during those two escapades, where did he find refuge at? Who actually took him in? As crazy as, as it sounds, the Philistines took him in. Even though he had formerly killed their champion, uh, Goliath, but you know, David acted like a crazy person and uh, goes through a very difficult time of his life. But it, even still, the Philistines took him in. So uh, David, he's king now, and he's not saying, well, let's just go out and kill the Philistines. He's like, hey, uh, we are, in a sense, enemies. Well, I know your nature. I know you're a bunch of idolaters and pagans and uh, hedonistic beast, but you gave me a place to stay a couple times, and I really appreciated that, so I'm not starting anything with you unless you start something, and as God would have it, they started something, and uh, they stir this up. So David's got a clean conscience. He's like, I didn't start this. You, uh, you know, you guys are nice to me, but since you're going to try to come and kill me, we are going to have to now go to war. Verse 19, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. It is true that David never lost a warfare battle. And that is because of his very consistent track record of inquiring of the Lord before making major decisions. And it really turned out well for him. So David went in verse 20 to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. Then they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Now we know from the parallel story in first Chronicles where this is recorded that David and his men carried these worthless idols away because obviously the Philistines dropped them when they got defeated so bad. And you know, they had their little gods with them, these little carved statues that when they were on the run, they just said, well, this is obviously not working and dropped it and threw them away. 
And David and his men gathered them all up and then burned them with fire. Mm-mm. I like that. Praise God. But here we see again in verse 20 that David went to Baal Perizim. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is very, very interesting how this mountain had this name. Now, technically, this would be what we would call a large hill. And as far as I know, today scholars have not identified the location of this hill. Now, if they ever find it, and they are certain of it, it is definitely a place that I would like to visit uh, on the next tour to Israel. Praise God. Who was Baal? Baal was the Canaanite god, and his name means master or lord. So he was the Canaanite god, particularly of thunder and of storms and things like that. And so he was the chief Canaanite god that was worshipped in the land of Canaan. Perizim is a plural word. It's the plural of breakthrough. So anytime you see Perizim, it would mean master or Lord of the breakthroughs because God doesn't want to just a, a, do a soul singular act for you. Maybe that's all you need, maybe for once every three years or something like that. But you know, if you're going to be on the planet for 90 or hundred years, you probably want to uh, see God move in your life more than once in this area. So think of it like this, David and his men, they are still conquering Canaanite land. While Joshua had a lot of success, there were still areas that were not taken. Certain tribes did good out of the 12 tribes of Israel with conquering. Uh, some of the others did not do so good. And they had, they had some pretty good excuses, but nevertheless, bottom line, they were still excuses. They could have taken it, but for various reasons, they did not. So David is now on the scene, of course, generations later after Joshua and David is doing, uh, especially with Jerusalem, what others had never been able to do. David actually was the one uh, previously, just a little bit before this, that took finally, he was the Israelite that took the city of Jerusalem. Praise God. And even today, Jerusalem is still the capital of the nation of Israel, not Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. Praise God. So what would happen uh, in Canaanite land? And this is an area that David is now moving into. He's conquering uh, because it has been previously Canaanite land. The villages, the towns, and even the hills would have Canaanite type names that would honor the gods that they served. So David, he's going to change the name up a little bit and tweak it some, but it's very interesting because he's going to keep the Baal in there. It's because why? Because everybody in that area, all the Canaanites are going to now understand that the true God of the breakthrough is not Baal. But although that's the name of that location, because they all understand that, but it's the God of the Israelites. Praise the Lord. So God here does a strange, surprising miracle. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The meaning of the word parazim means to break out, to burst out 
And it does include the representation of a water dam that breaks. It also can represent a high wall where there would be a bulge in the wall and you can look up and you can look at that wall and you could think, well, we either have a uh, bad construction job of whoever built this, or maybe it's been damaged on the other side. Maybe like a, you, something was hurled at it and it hit that and pushed it out. But you can look at that wall and tell it's going to definitely collapse at any moment, or it's going to be what we would call a sudden bursting out. But it is used also of water and it is the mental image of a dam. And there's a whole lot of water behind the dam and you have this, uh, you know, dam, the, whether it's made out in the old days of wood, which would eventually deteriorate or modern dams that are made of uh, certain types of, uh, you know, concrete, cement, rebar, all of that. Like, you know, think of the great Hoover Dam out there in Nevada, which I've driven over. It's an amazing sight to see. But when you think, for example, about the Hoover Dam, you think about all of that water, millions and millions of cubic feet of water that are behind that. What would ever happen if that dam were breached? What if it had a small crack and it began, uh, water began to squirt out in a little area? Well, very quickly, the whole thing would begin to crumble. And that's what the word perizim means. It means to uh, break out, to burst out. What would happen if you lived downhill of one of these large dams? And let's say the dam was real high and behind that dam is this gigantic wall of water, maybe a lake that's backed up on the other side. What would happen if there was an earthquake or there was some type of a war and a, a bomb hit that just at the right angle that caused it to uh, uh, explode? Well, I'll tell you what, that water would come rushing through and any house, any village, any town that is in that path is going to get completely, completely washed away. There is nothing that would be able to stand against, you know, the, you know like a 70 or 100 foot wall of water that's coming with that velocity and that type of density. Baal Perizim is a sudden defeat of your enemy in a strange and miraculous way. Again, remember that David has killed Goliath. David has killed many people in battle, but he and his guys go into warfare and they're expecting this is going to be tough. I mean, they're all ready for us. They've got some good equipment. They got some big fellows over there. And David is thinking, Hey, everybody be at your best. Cause this is going to be, a, this is going to be a tough one here. And it would be like two teams coming on the field in the Super Bowl. And both teams are undefeated and both teams are, they got their star players and it just looks like this is going to be a tremendous battle and the game begins. And for some strange reason, it's a total blowout. And the final score is 72 to zero and everybody on both sides is thinking, well, we never saw that coming. What, what would cause something like that to happen? Well, who, who knows? Maybe team a had a really good linebacker and he got through and he sacked the quarterback on team B and sacked him so hard that that guy maybe hit his head on the ground and had a concussion. So their star quarterback is now out and also momentum begins to change. And you have all of these other factors and 
Before you know it, maybe what was supposed to be an epic battle is a complete, total blowout. The, team, the other team just got completely, as they say, blown off the field. Very interesting. Well, that's what happened with David. They go in expecting this is going to be a, a real battle, and they just whoop, went through that army like a knife going through hot butter. They, those men, were like the water that burst through a dam, and the Philistines were just completely uh, overwhelmed. Their strength, their weapons somehow just had no effect. What was going on? God was with them. God rose up. God's going to rise up for you, and He's going to reveal Himself to you as the master of the breakthroughs. Woo! Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Glory to God! Get ready! Get ready for this strange thing that God wants to do in your life. Jump with me just for a moment over to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. 1 Chronicles chapter 14. And look at verse 11. So they went up to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand. Now, the phrase by my hand was not in the second Samuel story, but here it is by my hand, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal Perazim. So there are times where God says, you don't have to fight. I'll fight the battle for you. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. In other words, just march out, show up, and God's going to do all the fighting. But there are other times when, yes, God is going to work, and He's going to come in as the sudden breakthrough. He's going to give you the victory, but you can't stay on the sideline. You've got to be involved. So David won this. God came through, but God came through as the master of the breakthroughs while David was swinging the sword. And I think that's what's going on for many of you. You have to fight in the battle, but God's going to give you the victory. Don't come off the field for anything, because when God begins to move, it's going to be a blowout. Maybe even the enemy thinks, oh, we're going to, we're going to take them this time. But you know what? It's not going to happen with God on your side. Mm-mm. So keep swinging the sword. Keep standing in faith. Amen. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And God's going to come through and you're, you're going to, you're going to have that moment and boom, you're through. God comes on and the whole thing is going to be gone. Suddenly, suddenly how pastor Stephen, that's not for me to know that's God's job, but God's really, really good at doing strange and unusual miracles that give his people the victory over their enemies. He's going to do it for you. Mm-mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Baal Perazim represents a sudden defeat. Not just, the, not just a defeat, but a sudden defeat of your enemy in a strange and miraculous way. It's like Isaiah said in Isaiah 28. Strange, unusual. We could even say unorthodox ways that God can do things to defeat your enemy for you. Mm-mm. Praise God. You know, my wife and I were in a meeting just recently, and one of the guest ministers there shared a very recent story that just happened. A very good pastor. He talked about this story where he has his church. Uh, along with the church, they own, th- they own 
um, three other buildings. Uh, these other buildings are real close to the church, but it's on church property. And he said, really, he said those buildings were getting kind of old and they needed a lot of TLC, but they did not have the extra, you know, money to pour into those buildings. So they just let them sit there. And, but this pastor really loves the Lord. He's a tither. He's a giver. And this pastor, pastor said that he got a phone call and a, a company, a tech company said, um, Hey, we noticed you've got a, a building over on this area, this land over here. Uh, we'd like, we'd like to buy it. He said, well, he said, it's not for sale. They said, well, we are prepared to offer you $50 million. He said, sold in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and that company paid $50 million for this old building and the land. And the pastor asked them, he said, what are you going to do with the building? They said, we're going to tear it down. He said, you're going to tear it down. They said, yeah, we don't need the building. We want the land. They're going to build their, one of their new corporate buildings on the land. Isn't that fascinating? So this is what the pastor said. He said, I'm going to go back because this had just happened. He said, I'm going to go back after this meeting and I'm going to pay off every single debt that the ministry has. And he said, we have so much money now, we're able to pay off all the debts. And then we are going to build a new church facility that is going to be incredible. Praise God. And they're going to build it debt free. And he said, for the rest of my life, I will now be debt free. Woo. Praise the Lord. And he said, not only that, he said, but the debt that we have, the various debts of the ministry that we at the service every month was $200,000 a month payments going out. He said, now all of that payment going out, that money is still coming in, but now it's turned inward and it will be used to continue to expand the ministry and expand the work assignments that God has given them on the earth. What is that? That is a sudden breakthrough that defeated all of his enemies that were in that camp. Woo, praise God. Amen. The Lord told me just before I came up here to deliver this message to you today, that there will be those that you are going to get a breakthrough from the master of breakthroughs. And he's going to bring those who are not in home ownership. He's going to bring you into home ownership. And I know that there would be those that would live in an apartment that would rent and they would say, Pastor Stephen, I'd love to own a home, but there's this giant hurdle of, you know, pulling together a down payment that would qualify or this or that or the other. All I'm telling you is that with the master of breakthroughs, if you will, if you will say, God, reveal yourself to me as the master of breakthroughs, God is going to get you into a home that you own. Praise God. Instead of throwing money away uh, every month into rent or lease, and that's all going to make somebody else wealthy. God's going to give you your own and you're going to own it. Hallelujah. And then you could do, make it nice and paint it the way you want it and uh, um, give it your personal touches. Amen. Now I want you to receive that. Those of you that are in that place, because God's going to lift you up and bring you into home ownership. Praise God. There will be others that in the very next coming weeks and days, 
I'm talking just within weeks and days. Some of you are going to sign the largest contracts you've ever signed in your life. And those contracts, those dealings, those new relationships are going to release new revenue and pour in profit making uh, income like you've never experienced anything before in your life. Some of you will double, even triple your income before the year is out. And some of you will even do more than that. Some of you will go 10 times over. Praise God. Hallelujah. How? The Lord of the breakthrough coming in, giving a sudden defeat to your enemies and giving you the victory. Praise God. And when that power of God comes, boom. I mean, it took David's breath away. He's like, I've never seen anything like this before. We just wiped them out. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. He even named the hill after it. I named this hill Baal Perizim. And I'm going to keep it in the name Baal. That way all the heathens know who this is referring to. Baal Perizim. Our God is the master of breakthroughs. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. And I believe that you are going to have your own personal testimonies, your own personal testimonies. Praise God. Glory, glory to God. I see the Lord rising up in your life. Praise God. Angry at what the enemy has been doing to you. Angry at what the enemy has been doing to you. And God's going to put an end to it. So like David like David, David was in the battle and then God came in and God put his super upon David's natural. And the next thing you know, you have an incredible story. The same thing happened with Joshua. He just wiped out his enemies very, very quickly. We do need to look at this very quickly. But before we do that, let me, let me very quickly go to verse 22, second Samuel five, verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the Valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord and he said, you shall not go up circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. I mean, David was a Philistine crushing machine. Praise God. Now, all of the commentaries going back hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish commentaries, particularly all acknowledge that verse 24 is talking about the Lord of hosts, going out before the angelic army. And that's what that sound is. The marching in the tops of the mulberry trees is the marching of the angelic army. And I've heard, I've heard this type of a sound before. One time I was praying. I'd have been in prayer for uh, several hours. And when I finished my prayer time, I felt so uh, uh, ex exuberant. I felt so strong in the Holy spirit. And I got up because I knew I'd had a great prayer time. And I said, Heavenly Father, I'll, I'll see you later. I'm going to go start my day. When I stood up, I heard a sound I had never heard before. This was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years. I heard a sound that I had never heard before. I, it, it, to me, it sounded like leaves blowing in the top of a tree. Like there were trees and the leaves began to blow. And when I heard that sound, because I'm hearing it in the spirit realm, I got right back down on my knees. Something said, something in my heart told me something supernatural is about to happen. 
And I got right back down on my knees. And when I did, I, I went into a, a vision and Jesus walked right through the wall and he walked into the bedroom and he uh, shared some amazing things with me. And I would have missed it if I got up and walked away. But I could hear that sound at the top of the trees. May you also hear the supernatural sound and stop and yield to that and also experience victory. Praise the Lord. My friends, the angels are involved. The angels are involved. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Joshua chapter 10, verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. And the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with the great slaughter at Gibeon. Again, we've read about this earlier, Isaiah 28, 21. Chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Zekah and Makeda. Now, listen to this, verse 11. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Now, this is the same type of strange, unusual miracles that God spoke of in Isaiah 28, verse 21, uh, that happened with David, with the angels going out before the, the commander, the Lord of hosts going before the angels moving. And that's why there was the breakthrough. And that's what I wanted to uh, now begin to bring in into the story that when there is the manifestation of the master of breakthroughs, angels are involved. And yes, I have met before an angel of breakthrough. There's, there's many of them. I met one, one time when I was in Cleveland, Ohio, praise God in a meeting. I turned around, there was standing there in the very service I was ministering in. Hallelujah. And I just felt the wind just come right in here right now. I just felt the wind come right past my face and come right in here. And I believe there's angels that are going to be released into your life. Breakthrough angels. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so those hailstones being cast down upon these five Canaanite kings and killing all of their soldiers that was being done by the angels of God. Praise God. They were throwing hailstones down. Matter of fact, if you read the account of Roland Buck, pastor Roland Buck, who's now in heaven and he met the, uh, some of the angels who actually told him we were there in this Bible story, throwing hailstones down. Jesus assigned us to do it. And they were throwing down these massive hailstones, just crushing, crushing the enemy to pieces. Praise God. Amen. 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 Now, very, very quickly, Judges, Judges chapter 4, and then I want to pray for you. Judges 4, verse 15. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. And of course, we know that he was killed by an Israeli woman. Praise God. A very brave, bold woman of God. Praise the Lord. But there's a rout. Hallelujah. God's going to rout your enemy. He's going to blast through your enemy unlike anything you've ever seen before. Woo, praise God. And then Deborah and Barak sang a song. 
Chapter 5, verse 1, then Deborah and Barak, the son of Benoam, sang on that day. It must have been a duet, right? Praise God. Now look at verse 19. This is part of the song. The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They took no spoils. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. Let me read that again. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The stars fought? Yes, that is a representation of the angels of God. And the Jewish commentaries, the Jewish rabbis agree. These are the angels of God. These are the stars, and they're fighting against the wicked Sisera to make sure that he's killed and that all of his enemies, uh, that all of his soldiers are killed also. And they were. Mm -mm. That's why you see also in the book of Job that sometimes, not always, sometimes the angels can be referred to as stars. Mm -mm. And you see it in the Psalms as well. Praise God. Whenever there is breakthrough, there are angels involved. There is the master of the breakthrough, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has angels in his army that are called breakthrough angels. Praise God. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching and listening with burning hearts. I pray that you release to them an angel of breakthrough, that they experience breakthroughs, that they experience a major breakthrough. Father, I pray that you even give them a double breakthrough, a double breakthrough because you like to do things in doubles. Give them a mighty, mighty breakthrough. Breakthrough in Jesus' name. Give them two. Two miracle, strange, unusual breakthroughs. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Now shout, amen. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Glory to God. The stars, think about it, the stars fighting for you. Those are the angels, and they're moving right now. Praise the Lord. My friends, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on the losing team. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm doing pretty good. What are you talking about? There'll come a day that if you don't know Jesus, you die in your sins, all that you have, up in smoke it goes, and you go to your place of torment. And it's hot, 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 and there's no air conditioner in hell. You need to get your life right, right now with Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, then you don't know the master of breakthroughs and you're serving the master of darkness. Come over right now. Repent of your sins. Turn from them. Repent of them and call out to God right now and say, Lord Jesus, save me of my sins. I repent of them. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you completely. Now, Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Welcome, welcome to the family of God, the family of winners. Praise God. You better believe Jesus is the, he's the ultimate winner. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now, I want us to receive Holy Communion. Now, I also feel led to say this. There, 
there are some of you that right now you need to sow a breakthrough seed. You need to sow a seed for breakthrough. And, and Heavenly Father, I pray that whatever that amount is, that you would reveal it to your people right now, that they would sow a breakthrough seed. And I thank you, Father, for their obedience. I thank you that you're going to bless them with two distinct miraculous breakthroughs. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so you can mail it in. You can bring it in online. But bring in your seed and write on it, breakthrough. If you're mailing it in, write on your check, breakthrough. If you're bringing it in online, in that little notation box, write breakthrough seed. Praise God. Now, let's take Holy Communion. If you're a Christian, you can take communion with us. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We set it apart through this prayer as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we receive strength to live out the full number of our days. Thank you, Father God. We now partake of the Lord's body in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together. Say, I believe in miracle breakthroughs. Say, I believe in angels. Woo! Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's mighty, mighty cleansing, purifying power. Father, if anyone has sinned against us, we forgive them absolutely and completely. We refuse to hold a grudge or unforgiveness against anyone. We forgive them. We bless them. And we move on in you, keeping a happy spirit, a joyful heart. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus. We thank you for the ministry of the angels. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive together. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, pray over this message. Pray over these revelations. Get it down into your spirit so that the anointing for breakthrough can activate in your life. Praise God. Meditate on these things. Meditate on what it must have been like for David after the wipeout victory to think, wow, we've never had that happen before. What in the world was that? That was God showing up, rising up as the master of breakthroughs. Think about what he must have experienced emotionally and get ready for the same experience in your life of encountering the master of breakthroughs. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you also for sowing your breakthrough seed, your breakthrough offering. And I'm praying for you that you receive two miracle breakthroughs. God bless you. I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.